What's going on, ninjas? Chris Wachewski here. And I'm Alex Cunningham. So today we have a very special guest. Uh, he is the first NNL champion ever. Today we're going to be having with us uh, Jeff Britton. You know, I was there for the first world championship, and it was such an amazing performance by Jeff. If you go back and watch his video, uh, the last obstacle of stage one, he makes this incredible one-handed save on a rope, finishes stage one, breezes through stage two. We had an insanely hard rock problem, which obviously Jeff, being a top-level climber, crushed. It was such an awesome performance, and I really want to see him back on the NNL World Championships. I'm glad that you brought all of this up because I feel like it speaks about Jeff as a, an athlete and not just a climber because I happen to be, you know, the one designing the, the first NNL course. And I threw a lot of uh, tricky parkour elements into it. Uh, you know, the trampoline jump at the end, there was a big cat leap. There was a wall run at the end of stage two. So I feel like Jeff really earned, earned his championship and showed his athleticism uh, because he had to, in order to get to the area where he was comfortable, he, he had to go through a lot of tricky stuff. So I'm excited to talk to him about that athleticism and, you know, how he got that and his training methods. Yeah, exactly. Jeff, you know, has always been at the very top of the sport. And I'm really looking forward to seeing what he has to say about him training, his climbing background and a lot of stuff like that. So without further ado, let's uh, let's let's introduce Jeff and bring him in. Well, we are honored to have our very first guest be the very first person to be the last man standing in the National Ninja League World Championships all the way back in Season 1. You've seen him climb Midoriyama in Vegas. You know his name by now. It's Jeff Britton. Jeff, so glad to have you on as our first guest. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. It's, uh, it's an honor to be here. I've been a big part of the community for a long time. I was really happy to see the National Ninja League get started. Really bring this back to being a sport again so thanks and hi hey jeff how's it going it's going great chris so jeff i have to admit last night i was watching uh ready player one and uh in, in yes. the movie they said uh the the, the the like the main character's name uh uh became like first to the key and mm -hmm. i was thinking how great it would be if we just started calling you jeff first to the tower <laughs> well I don't know about that, guys, but but thank you. <laughs> I, I think it's going to stick. Jeff, first to the tower. I don't know. I don't. I don't know if we need any more controversy, Chris. Uh, I'm pretty good with everything, so let's just let's leave it at that. Fair enough. Fair enough. Let's uh let let's talk about um your your NNL experience. Let's talk about uh competing at different comps. Now you haven't done a ton of comps, but the comps that you have competed in, you've done uh, extremely well. Yeah. So I really. I've never really liked competing is the best way to say it. I've always kind of tried to stay away from that. I like hanging out, having fun and playing with the other ninjas and really getting good workouts in. But as this whole national ninja league scene ramped up, I really wanted to get out there. I really wanted to compete. I wanted to see how I stood up against the other best ninjas. And it was, it was a blast getting to go out to quite a few national ninja league comps. Um, I'd done a few before that and I'd done well in them, but the NNL kind of brought things to a new level, being standardized, being exciting, having a fun format. And it's gotten better every year. I'm really excited for season four. So why did you, uh, why did you stop competing? Is it just because you, um, you don't enjoy competing as much? I really don't. I don't like that competitive aspect of it. I think it brings out bad things in me where, it's tough. Sometimes I compete against people and I don't like them as much after I compete against them. I just want to just beat them. 
So well, well, I like well, being friends with everybody. So, so would you say that you're a, a highly competitive person? Absolutely, I am. So when I put myself into that competitive mindset, it's really hard to separate being friends with someone and competing against them. And it's just something that I don't enjoy. And there's also the family aspect of it and time. You know, we only have so much time. And when you have a family and you have a full-time job and you're trying to stay in shape, and then you're trying to compete. It just adds on one too many levels of complexity for me. That seems fair. I mean, I can definitely understand uh, where you're coming from there. But, you know, a lot of the uh, direction the sport seems to be moving is through um, different competitive organizations like the like the National Ninja League. Where do you see the sport heading? Do you think, um, you know, these competitive leagues is the direction that it's uh, going for the future? Well, I have a hope that we see the ninjas in the Olympics. That That's my true goal. And I know there's been a lot of work behind the scenes to make that happen. And I think there's a, there's a fear that instead of having ninja in the Olympics, it would be more of a OCR type style where you're just racing on very easy obstacles i think that takes away the exciting part of what we love about ninja warrior we are doing these big dynamic moves and, it, and it's hard and it's frustrating but it's fun to watch and and that's what i want to see in the olympics and that's definitely my end goal and i will bust my butt to get us there and i think there's a lot of other people who want to get there as well but before that really we need to see things like the nnl grow to where you have like I know we have large events already, but we can go bigger. We can get more people involved. We can get a lot more kids involved and really just see this professional sport evolve. I think, uh, I think we need to see some big name sponsors step up and start pushing this forward. So, Jeff, you mentioned the Olympics, and I mean, I'm definitely on board with that. I'd love to see Ninja in the Olympics. But for a more casual audience, you know, we've seen both the traditional style of Ninja, you versus the obstacles, and also racing head-to-head, there's two lanes of obstacles. I'm not going to mention names, but do you think that one might have more of a broad appeal to audiences that aren't as familiar to ninjas than the other? Well, if you take somebody who's never seen Ninja Warrior, I think the appeal of watching two people race head-to-head on an identical course is immediate. Right, You're seeing who's better in that moment on that course, and it's fun, it's fast, there's lead changes, and, and you really get that sport aspect of it. Um, so I think that definitely will propel the sport forward. Do you think that's healthy for the growth of the sport, though, or would you rather see it as one person doing an obstacle course and then the next person, so on? Personally, I prefer the really hard obstacles where people are giving everything they can just to complete one obstacle. That's what drew me into it. But pushing the sport forward, I think we need to have that competitive racing head-to-head. It's going to work, and I've put my money where my mouth is. Every Ninja Nation that we open has a dual race lane embedded into it, which is something that's unique to us. And if I'm building them, I think it's going to move forward in that direction. So I think that's a nice segue into, uh, you know, Ninja Nation, uh, because a lot of people are aware that you uh, recently took a position with Ninja Nation. Uh, give the listeners some some idea what that actually means. You know, what, what does it mean to be a part of Ninja Nation? What are you doing over there? Yeah, it's great. So we are opening Ninja Warrior gyms. There's been a lot of Ninja Warrior gyms out there over the years. They've really kind of helped drive this whole movement forwards. And we're just trying to add on to that. We really want to increase access. And what we like to do is we like to build really 
high-end facilities that look great with high uh, technology pieces in it. You know, we have trust like the show. We have lights like the show. It looks great. Parents feel safe there. We want to provide a place for kids to come and train and feel safe and be safe and get stronger at ninja-related activities. And we're trying to build a lot of them. We really we want to have 50 open within four years and hopefully 100 within seven years. We want to come all across the country and provide access to all the kids who want to be ninjas. So we've uh, we've seen a lot of gyms. I've personally seen a lot of gyms being in the game for as long as I have. And sometimes when you see a gym come in that throws a lot of money into it, uh, you get a cheese board uh, facility, for lack of better term. And essentially, this means like you get a facility that just went and picked out like you know a couple of these cheese board type obstacles, and they're they're not really like a training facility. Now, it sounds like you guys are throwing a lot of money into it. Uh, would you consider your uh, facility to be something that's more catered towards, you know, uh, beginners and birthday parties and, you know, stuff of that nature? Or are, can you go to a you know, Ninja Nation gym and train hardcore for the show? We're definitely starting out with the beginners in mind as we try and really grow this sport and bring more people into it. I would say we open up at uh, 70% of the way there for someone like you or myself to come train it. And then within the year of opening each facility, my personal goal is to have it be a training facility where anybody can come and train no matter what level you are. But that's a really hard thing to do. It's really hard to, to hit both ends as, as you're well aware and any other person who owns a gym is well aware that fighting that like, you know, mat, like the base of the user base where there's a ton of kids or there's like a 1% of the people who can actually train is, is hard. So we're definitely leaning towards the easier side of things to get people in and get them excited and then give them a spot to grow up and get better. I think that's perfect because beginners need more entry to the sport because it's such a, you know, a high level when you see people compete uh, in national ninja league competitions and you see, you know, guys like you doing the salmon ladder, you know, when you first start out, you can't really do the salmon ladder. It's not, it's not something that's right there and easily accessible. So how did you make these really tough obstacles uh, more easily accessible for uh, for kids, for beginners? Well, one thing we've done that was really smart was to bring in a lot of great ninja coaches. You know, having Jamie Ron, Ryan Stratus, and Carson Williams, all with years of coaching experience in ninja, and talking about it and figuring out what works. And really kind of, we have a whole list of progressions now. How to progress on each and every obstacle and then we're trying to build obstacles that are scalable. One of the cool things we've done that I'm sure you've seen is the kid's salmon ladder, where kids can progress on the salmon ladder without having to go up and around the bar. They can just push themselves straight up. And it's been a huge hit here at our first facility. Kids are on it all day. Some of the kids can do it. Some can't. But it gives them that confidence that they can do that move somehow. They can push upwards and, and get up a rung. And, and it just you should see them smile after it. It's amazing. I saw it, and uh, that that's really cool. Is that something that is unique to uh, Ninja Nation gyms, or uh, is that something other people can access as well? Uh, right now, that's unique to us, but I'm sure there'll be other uh, concepts out there very quickly. Now that this one's out there, of course, of course, that we always <laughs> see. We always see as soon as one goes up, all of a sudden everybody has one, especially when it's a great idea like that. It's the Ninja Arms race. <laughs> Seriously, I want to chat a little more about. Um, the, I, I want to go back and backtrack a little bit uh, with the uh, the different leagues um, going around. Uh, what do you see as the, the difference maker between the, the leagues that are happening? To me, it feels like one was started as a business opportunity 
and one was started as a passion project. And I always follow passion, which is why I love the NNL. You know, I love what you guys have done. And it seems like the other leagues are, are coming along and they're getting bigger, but they don't have the requirements that the NL does. They don't stay true to the core of Ninja Warrior. And they may be successful, but I don't think they'll ever have the heart and the passion and the love that the NNL does, not only for what we do, but for the community and, and supporting that. And, and I, I really feel that for something like this that's growing organically from the start needs to be driven by people who care about it and not by people who are just in it to make money. So, Jeff, one of the things that I've been seeing, because I read a lot of the emails and a lot of the YouTube comments, uh, for everyone listening, I answer the emails. I'm not hacking into anything. So if you ever get an email, it's from me. just wanted to clear that up. But one of the criticisms I've been seeing is that the NNL has a lot of rules. They have a lot of requirements. So as a gym owner now, you've been a competitor, and now you're moving into gym ownership, into creating your own qualifier how do these, you know, rules, restrictions, are they harmful? Are they helpful? Like, how does that guide your process? I think if you go back to looking at any professional sport, there's always rules and regulations you have to follow. And if you don't follow them, you're just inviting chaos into your organization. And I've seen other leagues that have, that have done that, and they don't, they don't have the same kind of, look, you can go on any weekend during the NL season and you can watch the live stream. I did it a ton last year for season three, and I loved it. And I loved it because they were very fun courses that were all unique, and you had to be at a certain level to put them on. And if you take that away, maybe you'll make a couple of people happy, but it's not for the betterment of the league, and it's not for the betterment of the sport. So I'm in favor of it. I think you need that. So we talked about the Olympics briefly before. What do you think needs to happen in order for the uh, for Ninja to get into the Olympics as a sport? Like, what are the next steps for you know the globe in terms of you know producing that? I think there's a couple things that need to happen. One of the first is that we need some sort of governing body here in the U.S. that can scale out across other countries and to have other countries come on board as well. And that would really be the first step towards having uh, the uh, Ninja represented the Olympics as like a demonstrator sport, which we saw with climbing in, I want to say it was 2012 or 2012, right around then. And once you have that governing body or, or, or some sort of, you know, representation with the IOC, you can start putting together a rule base and figuring out where you're going to go from there. So uh, I've had this conversation with uh, quite a few people, and they all bring up the same thing of, you know, there needs to be some type of governing body. Now, it's an interesting concept because, like, right now, the the National Ninja League, like, we lay out rules, regulation for comps, uh, you know, across the U.S., and we do have uh, four other countries on board. Uh, But then there's obviously other organizations that lay out their own set of rules, and there's other countries that have different set formats for Ninja. Um, at what point do you think the uh, all the different uh, rules and formats for Ninja actually hurt the sport uh, versus helping the sport? Uh, because there's just so many former formats and you know lack of standardization. I think it's already hurting it. I think what hurts it the most is the fact that all of this is based off a reality TV show, <laughs> and I think that anything we can do to you know, really set up one set of guidelines, one set of rules that works across not only one league, but any league we're going across and any kind of solidarity we can pull together 
is going to benefit the sport moving forward in whole. I think that's uh, that's extremely well said. Uh, you mentioned climbing uh, briefly. Let's talk about your climbing background because, like, everyone here is like, oh, like, you know, Jeff, he, he's a great climber. He's so strong. His grip's amazing. What what does that mean? Like, what, what do you climb? Like, what's your, what's your strong climbs? Uh, what are you climbing now? What am I climbing now? Well, back when I was younger, I was definitely a stronger climber. I was a solid, you know, 514, V13, Boulder sport climber. But uh, we all get older, right, Chris? Right? right? <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> we all do. <laughs> <laughs> it gets a little harder as we go on. But uh, I'm still climbing in the V10 to V11 bouldering range. You know, on a good day, I can on-site V10s. Inside, you know, outside, I'd probably be climbing V9 right around now. But um, that really just comes from a lifetime of being active. And I'm lucky that I climbed so much at a young age that my body adapted to it so that now I can take bigger breaks, take time off, and still come back with that base level strength and not get hurt, which is really the key for a lot of older ninjas where if they're pushing themselves, they just get hurt constantly. So in the early days of the sport, we saw mostly parkour athletes dominating, your Levi's, your Brian Orozco's. Now I feel like, especially when you were hitting the scene, it's becoming a lot more of a rock climber sport where a lot of the new people coming in have a rock climbing background. Why are rock climbers doing so well in this sport? What's making rock climbing so transitionable, I guess, for lack of a better word, to ninja? Well, I, I would love to answer that, but I actually think you're incorrect. I think the sport has actually transitioned past climbers at this point, and it's now favoring gymnasts, especially with the really high-level dynamic explosive like upper body moves that gymnasts are really good at and climbers aren't as good at and parkour guys definitely need to work on because that's not in their really lexicon but you know climbing just brings together so much body awareness and so much upper body strength and as the courses have gotten more and more upper body dominant that's exactly what you need i mean i don't think you'll find a top ninja who's not training climbing at all anymore Actually, I'm glad you mentioned that because I had a chat with uh, Josh Levin, who's obviously an amazing climber, and I we were looking at stage three of the world championship, and I said, oh, this is, you know, right up your alley, a lot of hanging, a lot of moving, a lot of uh, rock climbing, and Josh said, no, actually, I was thinking the opposite. This seems like something that I wouldn't be very good at as a climber because, you know, we're used to a lot of stationary elements, so... What kind of obstacles are good for rock climbers, I guess? What what kind of ninja obstacles would be right in your wheelhouse? Anything where you're holding on to something small, right? <laughs> any any kind of any kind of cliffhanger, vertical limit, even squeezing any kind of like the cylinder holds, I think you'll see climbers excel at. And really just that upper body like pulling power. I think we're good at really pulling up and moving efficiently. And with strong fingers you can relax. If you're on a bad hold, you can relax. You don't have to hold on as tight as somebody else does, and that saves a lot of energy for later on the course. So let's actually dive into climbing as like a training method for ninja because it seems like what you're saying is, you know, climbing produces some of the elements that you need for ninja, but not quite all of them. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so what would climbing um, specifically like work on, but like what – what elements is it missing that that you would need to work on outside of climbing? Well, if you look outside of climbing, I really think that most climbers, if you took a climber, a high-level climber, and trained them in parkour, 
and efficient movement and then added in a little more dynamic movement, you have the perfect ninja. Now, why, what, what makes them perfect? Though? Like what, 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 what attributes from each side really makes them perfect? Like what, what have they gained in each uh, discipline? Well, what is, what is Ninja Warrior, right? That, that's the eternal question. We don't know what the obstacle is going to be. So you really have to be ready for everything. You have to be able to run. You have to be able to jump. You have to have amazing body control. You have to have awareness. And you have to have a lot of grip strength and endurance. And from parkour, you're really getting that agility-based running and jumping and landing and a lot of lower body awareness. From climbing, you're definitely getting upper body endurance, you know, power. But then when you add in sort of like, a, I don't know, what is, what is, what is that X factor? I'm, I'm losing myself here. Chris, help me. <laughs> the, 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 the X factor? I was already thinking of my next question, so I wasn't ready for this. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll save you by jumping into my next question. There you go. <laughs> you, you were talking a little bit about like, uh, like endurance, power. And, and to me, um, I, I understand, you know, what like it means to be, you know, utilizing your muscles in the, in the sense like in an endurance way. But mm-hmm. the listeners uh, that don't know as much about training uh, might not really know what, you know, these terms mean in terms of endurance and power. They, they might seem standard to us. Uh, for those listening that don't quite know, you know, what, what does it mean to have, like, increased endurance on a ninja course? Sure. So when I first started on Ninja Warrior, the obstacles were fairly simple and fairly short. And then you fast forward to today where you're doing – 30 plus moves or 25 moves, which is a move to me is when you move your hand. So my classic example is the rolling thunder from season eight in Philadelphia that a lot of us got to enjoy and play on, but it was ridiculously hard because there were so many moves. You had to move 25 times. And up to that point in Ninja Warrior, there hadn't been anything like that. There was 16 to 17 move obstacles. And now that's become standard. So that is endurance. You have to be able to not only hold on for that long, you have to be able to pull your body for that long, and you have to be able to move your hands, which every time you let go of something and re-grab it, your forearms are getting taxed. So climbing brings a lot of that endurance to it. And then the power aspect is the ability to do a big move. So you can hang and you can pull yourself up and you can move, say, let's say, three feet away with your arms and grab onto it. And if you can do that, you're saving a lot of endurance by doing bigger moves, and that is power. Now, I don't want to get into overgeneralizations, but uh, when you're climbing, you can totally train, uh, you know, endurance versus power, depending on how you climb, correct? Absolutely. So how would somebody who's just getting started kind of know the difference? Like, what what should they be doing if they're trying to build their endurance while climbing? Well, there's two really big schools of thought on that. One is the sport climbing aspect, where you are climbing with a rope, and you are climbing easier climbs for yourself, and you're going for long amounts of time where you're climbing again and again and again. And the other school of thought is to train with bouldering where you're climbing without a rope and you're climbing harder things and you take away the rest. So you're constantly pushing yourself. And I lean towards the bouldering aspect of it. And a lot of other climbers lean toward the sport climbing side where they're doing these really long training sessions, trying to really tire themselves out. And I agree with it. I think it's great. And I think it's works and it's way better than doing anything. I've always found success through bouldering where I am pushing myself really hard and I look at it sort of like a Ninja Warrior course where I'll give myself 30 seconds of break between each boulder problem and I'll push myself harder and harder. And what that does is it's breaking down my endurance, 
it's breaking down my power. And as I get more and more tired, I start to get hmm, not lazy, but I start to get confused and I start to, my vision starts to get narrower and I start to make mistakes. And that's what happens on a Ninja Warrior course. When you start to get tired, you start to make mistakes. So anytime that I can put myself in that position and make mistakes and breathe and focus and start to really think about what's going on and pull myself out of it, it's a huge experience gain because that every time you are in that position, you'll know how to react to it. So that's kind of how I look at it, Chris. No, I think that's I think that's perfect, and I think it it differs from a lot of the uh, other uh, people that we're going to have on the podcast, uh, you know, coming forward. A lot of the other ninjas talk about um, when when they train or when they get ready, they just play, they just do like add on or uh, they just kind of mess around on obstacles. It seems like you have a pretty thorough understanding of you know how to develop the you know your body to to a higher level, uh, and it definitely shows. Now, yeah, absolutely. We- we've uh, hold on. I got one for you. So, I think we've talked about this before, Chris. But one of my favorite things to do is what I call a down pyramid, which is you'd start at your, you know, highest boulder level that you can climb, climb it, drop down to the ground, and climb one grade underneath it. So, if I was doing it, I would do a V nine drop, V eight, and down to V one. And what that does is it I mean, there's no rest whatsoever, and it allows you to keep getting more and more pumped. And pumped is when your forearms can't hold on to anything they're full of lactic acid and as you get more and more pumped the holds get bigger and bigger and you're able to keep going through those bigger holds and get more tired and it just completely wipes you out if i do a full down pyramid without failing i'm usually wiped out for about 30 minutes before i can do another one which is a lot of time it takes to recover but maybe that's just my old age showing i don't know well, I think it's similar to Ninja because when you go out there, you know, we only need to do a single course in any given day. Um, well, I mean, if you're lucky, two, three, and four, but for the <laughs> most part, you're really not doing a lot. It's like really high intense things, and then you can rest after. So it seems like your training kind of lines up with your goals, correct? Absolutely. And the, uh, the, the mental aspect is one I've always liked to pull into the physical aspect of it, where you're, you're getting yourself tired either by doing sprints or, or whatever, and then, you're, and then you're training, right? And what you're doing is you're, you're tricking yourself into thinking that, okay, I'm tired, but I'm still strong. I'm having trouble breathing, but I can still do a lot of pull-ups. And if you can get there, and if you can get there a lot, it's amazing how much more confidence you have in yourself when you do get tired. Because you tell yourself, oh, I'm tired, that's okay. I'm still really strong. And if you don't have that confidence in yourself, when you get tired, you'll see people, they'll start looking down. Their arms will straighten out. They start freaking out a little bit because they know they don't have a lot left. And when that happens, they're usually about done. And the really good guys, they'll push through that every time. I, I love it. I love it. And I love the, the regimented training style. Uh, let's, let's dive back and talk about you know training, training versus playing. Because like obviously, a lot of the top ninjas, uh, they, they talk about playing. Do you find that having your, your training laid out allows you to be more efficient with your training? Hmm. Well, I'll stop you right there and say that I probably train during my you know peak when I'm really pushing myself maybe twice a week. And any other time is playing because that's what's fun about it. And if you start training too much, it does. It becomes a job, right? And I've seen that be detrimental to a lot of, a lot of pro ninjas where they really get unhappy with it and then after all the training they feel like they have to succeed on the show because they put so much work into it where a lot of other people go into it no expectations they have a great time they're smiling they're having fun 
whether they fall on the first obstacle or they go all the way. So having a healthy balance of both is really the best way to approach it, in my opinion. So I'm starting to take my training a little more seriously where I want to sort of train. Watch out, world. <laughs> I'm sorry, what? Watch out, world. Oh, um, well, we'll see about that. I got seven out of 10 on a rec league. So, you know, heading for the finals right. next, but, um, watch out <laughs> stage four, you know, um, <laughs> so I'm starting to take my training a little more seriously and I want to start getting to the point where I start having a little more b- bit of a training regimen where it's not just stepping into a gym. Oh, this looks fun. Let's play on that. Okay, that was fun. Let's do something else now. How do I transition into that more methodical approach? Like, do I write down, you know, a list of exercises and just do them in order? Do I just try an obstacle and keep trying different methods of beating it? Like, what ways should I focus on really dedicated training? I think that's going to differ for everybody. But for you, I would ask, what are your weaknesses? Where do you, where do you struggle? Uh, well, I think I, I think listing my good qualities would be a little shorter list, but <laughs> uh, a lot of like upper body endurance. I don't have a very good dead hang. Like it might be like a minute, minute and a half tops. So you know, I, I definitely lack a lot of like upper body strength. And when I was doing the rec league, I was getting really tired quickly, so I could really work on my endurance as well. Okay. Do you think you're getting tired in your upper body because your whole body is tired or is it just your arms? Because there is a difference. You know, I think in the short term, it's just the arms. But if I'm doing like a long course, you know, I'm going to start panting after around six, seven obstacles. Yeah. Well, I mean, there, there's there's definitely that, right? Like Ninja, Ninja Warrior obstacles are a total body workout. <clears throat> and a lot of people struggle with that as well. That's, I mean, my cardio is, is my weakness. And I hate training it, but I force myself to. But back to your question, I think the best way would be to write down a list of your weaknesses and what you want to work on. And then really, when you are training, instead of playing, attack your weaknesses instead of attacking your strengths. Because it's really easy to do the stuff we're good at, but it's really hard to do the stuff we're not good at. But if you do, you'll see this cumulative effort of getting stronger so much quicker. You're building your pyramid that's going to lead you to the top. So I like that you're you're, you're uh, helping Alex through his uh, his you know <laughs> his new journey, but I I, I want to take a second to go back to you. Um, do you feel like uh, you have weaknesses? Um, and you know, are are you I, you recently announced that you're you know going to be making a return to Ninja? Are you you know writing down your own weaknesses on paper and you know trying to you know fight through them so you can get ready to uh, to make another run at Ninja? Man, Chris, I tried to write down my weaknesses, but I couldn't find a piece of paper long enough, so I gave up. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So, so, uh, so, what are you, uh, what are you focusing on then? What, what are the things that you're going to be focusing on as you come back? Like, so, like, you know, you don't need to go through the entire list, but you know, give us yeah. some of the key things. Really, for me, one thing I've noticed myself is I always had the upper body power to do these courses and the strength, and I'm not so worried about that. Obviously, I'll be training it. But really, the cardio conditioning where you get out of breath, where you're running and moving and jumping, to me, that's always been my biggest weakness as I've gotten older. So I've really developed a plan where I'm going to go out here in Colorado at elevation. I go outside and I run. And instead of just running, I do it ninja style. I don't run on a trail. I don't run on the pavement. I don't run on the ground. I run on rocks. And I'm doing jumping and leaping. And I just go. There's no, there's no set schedule. It's 
I'm moving through things in unpredictable ways and I'm reacting to it instead of preparing for it. And that allows you to just kind of build up that base of when you don't know what's going to happen and it happens and you can accept it. And like my feet will not roll on me, but they'll, you know, I'll be soft on my feet and I'll land. And, and to me, that is my biggest weakness. I've trained with you guys for a long time and seeing the original Ninja Warriors move is amazing, right? You guys are so good at balance agility from your, a lot of parkour backgrounds. And that's something that I never really was able to do. So that's my biggest attack is attack that, get comfortable with my feet. I want to stand on that starting line for season 11 and say, I'm not worried about getting out of breath on this course. I'm not worried about being tired. I can do the whole thing. And if I can get there, I will be the happiest person in the world. You know, I'm glad you mentioned unpredictability because a lot of times, both on the show and in NNL, especially NNL, actually, you're touching the obstacle for the first time when you run. Like sometimes I go to a gym and they have an obstacle set up for their qualifier. And I'm like, I didn't even know that was possible. How do you yeah. mentally prepare? Like, how do you mentally say, okay, I have never touched this, but here's my plan of attack for it? Well, I think the more you've done, the more you've experienced, the more obstacles you've been on, the higher your obstacle IQ is, always help you. But on the day of, if you're at an event, you're at a competition, and you're looking at this course, and you're wondering how that feels, I would talk to other people and ask if anyone else has been on particular obstacles like that. We are a great community. Use it to your advantage. You know, be friendly, get other people's advice, and don't, uh, don't take it at face value. Take it and say, okay, that works for him because he's Drew Dreschel, and he's ridiculously strong, so maybe I'm going to have to do it a different way. But 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 take all that advice in, internalize it, and then come up with a plan for it. I always loved having a plan for something, especially if you don't know what it's going to feel like. You can say, oh, maybe I'm going to jump to this bar, and it's going to be slippery, and my hands are going to slip off. Well, what's my backup plan if that happens? Do I have one? Is it possible? I don't know, but I would try and come up with something like that. Have a plan, talk to your friends, and go for it, and stick to it. A lot of people have a great plan. They'll get on the course, and they'll completely forget what they were going to do. They'll black out and they'll do something else, they'll fall, and they'll say, man, why didn't I stick to my plan? And they don't even know. So stick to your plan, talk to your friends, and send it. Love it. So you mentioned Drew Dreschel, and a lot of ninjas would argue that Drew is the uh, the best ninja in the world right now. In your estimation, who who is the best ninja? Who is the top ninja, the, the guy to beat? Ah, oh, man, this is a tough one. There's Drew, there's Chris Wachewski. Um, <laughs> I, I don't think anybody would include me in, in, in the top, but, but thank there, you. There are some. I don't know. You, 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 had, you had a pretty golden ascent the other, other week, buddy. <laughs> yeah. That was uh, pretty cool. Uh, it, was, uh, it was a little bit of luck and the, the right obstacles coming together for me. That, that, that's all that was. Do you hear that, folks listening? That is the true ninja speak right there. It was a little bit of luck, said the man who's prepared for that moment his whole life. <laughs> but well, absolutely, like... <laughs> Drew, Drew is the best ninja in the world right now. I don't think there's any doubt about that. You know, the way he moves, his obstacle IQ, his strength, he's, he's got it all. And I said this on TV a couple years ago, and I still stand by it. I'm surprised he doesn't win every year. That being said, there's a lot of other up-and-comings who are just as capable and will be just as strong this year, if not next year, if not in two years. And he's going to have a battle on his hands at the top. So funny you mention that because the three seasons that we've done the NNL, you were the champion the first season, 
Drew's one, seasons two and three. So if we put you two on a course right now, like an NNL World Championship course, do you think you could give Drew a run for his money? Today? No. Heck no. In a year? Maybe. Are we going to get to see that? Well, unfortunately, this season, I believe I can't compete because I'll be working with the NNL at our Ninja Nation gym. So that I believe that takes me off of the ability to compete. Well, actually, I, uh, it only takes you off of the ability to c- compete in your own qualifier. If you were to oh, go to another qualifier, you could compete in okay. that. And finals well, is open for you. There's a couple yeah, in well, Colorado. I, say, I actually didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't know that. That's, uh, that opens up a possibility for me here because I would like to get back to competing to get myself comfortable in that environment because it's a hard environment to be in with the nerves, the adrenaline, and uh, why I don't like it, it does prepare you for the show. So, uh, so with this new knowledge, could we potentially <laughs> see you at the uh, NNL World Championships? Well, that would be fun, wouldn't it? Where is uh, it going to be this year? Do you, have you guys announced it yet? We have not officially announced it. Uh, you can look for an announcement on our social medias sometime later this month. Awesome. So we're going to take a second and talk about uh, a topic that it seems like a, a lot of ninjas don't have uh, a lot uh, <laughs> a lot to say about uh, dieting. Yeah. <laughs> do you do you diet, Jeff? <laughs> sure, I do. You know, body weight is uh, critical to being success at Ninja Warrior. So. I diet all the time, Chris. I eat pretty much whatever I want to. I'm very lucky. I was blessed <laughs> with a fast metabolism, and I've been able to really not have to diet. It sounds like a lot of other ninjas are the same way. And I know there's a lot who really do have to diet. And, and to some level, I think if you want to be the best, and every year as the courses get harder, there is an element of that you'll need to succeed. And this year... I'll be definitely eating healthier as I push forward. A lot of people know that I have a pretty awful diet. I'm a fast food junkie, and I could eat fast food three times a day, every day, and be just fine. I so certainly did. Let me, let me ask you, what do you, what do you weigh right now? What do I weigh right now? I, don't, I haven't weighed myself in six months, but I would guess, based on everything I know, right about 150. Just as I'm always right around 150, unless I'm shedding weight for the show, which I've done. So when you when you did the the tower ascend, how yep. much did you weigh then? I was 145. Yep. Okay, so you only had like a five five pound fluctuation. Yeah, I'll fluctuate like seven pounds, right? I'll go to like one forty five. Any, I've gone lower than that, and I find that my strength rapidly decreases. And that's that's my strongest point is at one forty five, and then if I'm really eating bad and really not doing anything, I can get up into like the lower one fifties. But usually my stasis is right around one fifty where I'm comfortable. So you say eating fast food. What does that mean? Are you scarfing down In and Out burgers or? Like, what are you doing? Oh, man. I don't know. Like, McDonald's is a great place to eat breakfast. Wendy's is a good place for lunch. And I always love some Taco Bell. (laughs) (laughs) I I mean, I can't disagree with you. All those places are delicious in a disgusting way. But, like, what what sandwich? Like, are you getting sandwiches there? Are you getting, like, fries? Like, like, how bad are we talking here? (laughs) Oh, everything. Like, give me a Big Mac. You know, I'll eat it right before competition. I don't care. But wow. (laughs) that, that being said, I'm definitely working on that uh one of our other team members here at ninja nation uh works for a salad company and i've started eating salads every day for lunch and i've really felt an increase in energy from that which i was surprised by but it makes sense right if you eat healthier your body can run better so i've really started pushing myself to do that get out of my comfort zone it's another weakness of mine let's eat healthy let's be stronger 
In terms of weight, is it more of just get to as low of a weight as possible, or is it worth sacrificing some weight for muscle mass? I think everybody has an ideal weight for their body and their composition. And it's going to change if you've lost a lot of weight recently or gained a lot of weight recently. But I, I was saying earlier, I've definitely noticed if I drop below a certain point, I start to get weaker. And my goal is to never get there again. I don't, I don't want to do that. So I don't have a problem feeding myself, especially when I'm working out. I think we've all been there, everyone listening. You do a really hard workout, and man, you, you'll never be hungrier than that unless you're stuck on a deserted island somewhere, right? So, so it's not something to, unless you're trying to really lose a lot of weight that you have that's unnecessary. And I'm speaking from a position where I don't really have a lot of fat on me. I, I just don't. I'm lucky. I know it. But if you do and you're trying to lose all that, I think you do have to diet and you do have to work out harder than other people. But when, when you get there, you can find your maintained, maintainable weight. That's really great uh, insight into, um, well, kind of great insight into the... Uh, <laughs> don't be me. Yeah. Well, not necessarily don't be you, but like the fact that like you need to, uh, you need to balance it. Like, you know, you, you, you can diet too much, if you will. Because uh, mm-hmm. I feel like people don't necessarily understand that when, once you go past a certain point, it's detrimental. Uh, so, I, I mean, I wouldn't recommend the eating fast food like Jeff, but I, I think there's something to be said about uh, making sure <laughs> that you, you know, don't diet too much. <laughs> Absolutely. You, you want to be healthy. You, to be these things, to be a ninja warrior, you have to be healthy. That, that is the base of all of this. You have to be healthy. So make yourself healthy and you will always be happy and you'll do well in these courses. I couldn't agree more. Well, Jeff, uh, it's been a, been a pleasure having you. Uh, where can people check out the stuff that you're doing? Where, how can they find Ninja Nation? How can they find you on social media? Yeah, hey, if you want to come check it out, you can always look up One Ninja Nation. That's O-N-E, Ninja Nation. We're on Instagram, Twitter, you name it, Facebook. If you're looking for anything I do, you can always find me on Instagram as well or Facebook. Really, if you just Google Jeff Britton, it's with a G, G-E-O-F-F-B-R-I-T-T-E-N. I'm sure you'll find me, and I would love to hear from you send me a message say hello i try and respond to all my messages as well and where uh, where are the gyms located currently are, and are they up and running already yeah we have one gym open here in colorado in lafayette which is north of denver i'm currently building out our second gym which will be south of denver in centennial and very shortly we're opening a third gym in frisco texas which is just outside of dallas and it's a beautiful building how do you decide where these gyms go? Like, it seems kind of like a, like a dart on a board, you know, two in Denver, one in Frisco. Is it just trying to hit, like, big metro areas, or, or is there a plan of attack? No, we're, de- we're definitely not throwing any, any darts at a board. We're, we're choosing our spots very carefully and trying to uh, make sure there's enough people there to make them successful. Awesome. Well, great insight, Jeff. It's been a pleasure having you. Uh, So happy to have you on. Hopefully the listeners learned something today. Hey, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. And let's hear it for the NNL. (laughs) Really starting to sport out of something that started as a TV show. (laughs) Love it. Love it. Thanks, Thanks, Jeff. Talk to you later. See ya. See ya. So that was Jeff Britton. Such a great interview. He had a ton of insight about training and a lot of details about his upcoming projects at Ninja Nation. I'm really excited to see how that pans out. I was really excited to sit down and chat with him about training. I, I don't know about you, but right now I feel like amped to train. Like I'm excited. I feel like I learned a lot from Jeff and I feel like we can go out and, you know, I, I just want to go do something after this, this podcast. I really appreciate that he took the time to sit down with me and, you know, identify my weaknesses 
and help me conquer them, basically. And I feel like that's such an integral part of the ninja community is that, you know, these ninjas seem like celebrities to a lot of people, but, you know, if you have the chance to sit down and chat with them, they're always very helpful. Yeah, I was really impressed by the uh, the knowledge and the camaraderie that Jeff brought to the brought to the table today. Uh, definitely an all around amazing guy. Uh, definitely looking forward to seeing what he does, and hopefully we see him on uh, the NNL World Championship Season Four course. I certainly hope so. And transitioning off of that, we have another very helpful ninja, somebody who's been close to me over the years, coming up next week, and that's Michelle Warnke. Yeah, Michelle is amazing. Obviously, I you know do a lot with her with the Movement Lab gyms, and uh, she's part of the Team Lab Rats. I'm super excited to talk to her, talk to her about her training methods and what it means to be part of this community. You know, Michelle comes from more of a track and field OCR background, and I think it's going to be a common theme this season to see all the different athletes' backgrounds, your parkour athletes, climbers, track and field athletes, gymnasts, as, as Jeff mentioned, sort of taking over the sport. And... I really want to see their differences in training and see if we can kind of come into a common theme. Yeah. I'm curious, you know, what Michelle's going to say, what Drew's going to say, you know, Perry, because they each have very different backgrounds. And I think that it'll kind of give all the listeners a broad overview of the different ways that you can train and uh, the view uh, viewers, the listeners will be able to find one that works for them. Exactly. You know, Ninja is not a one size fits all sport. We all have different strengths. We all have different weaknesses and it's, you know, finding the things that you're good at and finding the things that you need to work on. Extremely well said. Well, with that, let's close. Uh, we'll see everybody back here next week. Michelle Warnke will be our guest. So remember, hit us up on Facebook, follow us on the Instagrams, or subscribe to our email list on the website. Yep, we're at National Ninja League on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, go to our website, nationalninja.com. We should have a lot of the upcoming events up there, too. So check out a local event in your area. That was redundant. Oh, well. <laughs> Love it. Well, on that note, we'll see everybody next yep. week. See you next week. Thanks for listening.